This episode is brought to you by Lightstream, the nation's premier online consumer lender. Lightstream offers low-interest fixed-rate loans from $5,000 to $100,000 for practically any purpose. It's also brought to you by our Patreon members. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I couldn't do this without you all. I am so grateful to all of you for making this show a possibility. The Queer Family Podcast. Love is love is love on the Queer Family Podcast. Love is love is love on the Queer Family Podcast. Love is love is love on the Queer Family Podcast. Love is love. Hey, Tom. Jamie. This is something special. I have Tom Coppola. From season one, episode eight. We're taking it all the way back to season one, Tom, in here to help me introduce the episode that we're that we're about to drop for y'all. That was six years ago. What the fuck? Six years ago. What? That was back when we were doing it in person still. Like there was no <laughs> pandemic. That hadn't happened. Doing it in person. You oh were God. pregnant. Oh shit. You were pregnant. Oh my God, I was pregnant. Yeah. I mean, it was like totally oh different. God, yeah, it's bizarre. Okay. But we made it through. Yeah. But here we are. And here we are. And I haven't seen you since then. No. No, well, that's not true. We were, ran into each other on the street. We were neighbors yeah. for a couple of months. For like a second. Yeah. Wait, okay, wait, wait. So okay. tell the listeners. Sure. Your basically 30-second elevator pitch of who you are. Sure. So um, I'm Tom Coppola. So I'm a donor dad mm-hmm. um, of three kids. You are. Uh, who are all in the same family. I'm a donor dad to a lesbian couple, to be clear. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And they're a thriving family. They live in Danbury, Connecticut. My daughter is going to be 13 in June. Get out of here. And then there is a set of twin boys who will be 11 in September. Get out of here. Yeah, they're like mini adults now. And it's with each their own personality. My daughter's super smart. She's in a STEM program. It's amazing. Like when I mean, again, six years ago when I saw you, it was like, they were very different people and it was a very different I was having very different feelings and now that they are budding teenagers it's rocking my world wow. and, I, and I still see them with the same level of frequency you were the known donor from the start to, to clarify was. for the listeners like I was if you didn't listen to Tom's episode go back and listen because it's so good and go back. Tom packs a lot of words into a minute <laughs> <laughs> I do it's taken a lot for me to slow my roll but yeah, thing, I mean, life's been pretty good. I, like I said, I see the kids with just as much frequency as before. It's like kind of averages out to be about every three months or so because of a, either a holiday or a birthday. And I go see their baseball games. I go for holidays. And, you know, the one different development in the last, over the last six years was that um, I was in a, I was in a relationship for a short period over the last six years. Mm-hmm. And um, it was the first time I actually brought a another person who I was dating in to meet the family. Oh, how'd that go? It, it went extremely well. It mm-hmm. went extremely well. And, um, you know, it was just, it was a very interesting dynamic to see somebody who I loved embracing my children and seeing how, what their response to, to that person was. Yeah. Um, and also since we've since separated to see, to see their reactions or to understand mm. and, and see the breakup through them, which wasn't like terrible. It wasn't like they were crushed, but like kind of like the whole quiet, like, oh, where is so-and-so? And And Mm. like, you know, and then I found out from the moms, like an hour later, they're like, oh yeah, the kids asked them, the the kids told us on the drive home that they knew and we're not dumb mom, you know, know, kind of thing. So (laughs) it it was, it was a different, um, it, it was a different part of the, the dynamic, like I said, the family dynamic to me, because when last I saw you, I was single and I've been yeah. primarily single. And then I had this three-year relationship yeah. in with, with, with part of that them. family. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. so interesting. This season is turning out to be like, I know it wasn't a divorce, but this season I have so many folks reached out and said, I want to tell my story because I'm divorced. I want to tell my story because I'm wow. divorced. So it's really interesting. You're talking about a breakup and what you noticed and what you saw in your family dynamic yeah, yeah. with your children. And they, I mean, and you know, and there was, there was so much love, equal love, like between everybody. It wasn't like, oh, that's, it wasn't that, well, we love Tom more because he's our father and then there's him. It was, it was like, no, it was the unit wow. like Tom and him. It's so many layers. That's the thing with it us. Is. There's so many freaking layers that we navigate. Right. And we do so with such beautiful intentionality. Right? Yeah, like, definitely. Because we know from the start, these kids are going to have to navigate the world 
differently. Different than the, and I'm doing quote unquote, than the norm, yep. right? Yep. And so from the start, we're so intentional. So anytime a snafu happens in the family, like a breakup or a divorce or whatever it may be, we handle it with a lot of thought and a lot of intention. Not, I'm not saying that non-queers, and that's how I call them now, the yep. non-queers, so that we can other them. But like, yeah. I'm not saying that non-queers don't do that as well. Obviously, when you go through a divorce, I'm sure right. every parent wants their children to be as well-adjusted as possible. Right. But it is interesting the different layers that we have no matter what from the get-go that we're constantly navigating. I think just by by sake of growing up queer and in, mm-hmm. in our queer community, I think there's a majority of us who because we're put in these circumstances, try to do things with a different level of grace or with much mm. more grace because we know it's it's going to be that much more difficult or it's mm-hmm. going to be not the norm, quote yeah. unquote. Because we know what it feels like to feel othered, mm-hmm. which exactly. a lot of different, let's, let's be real, there's intersectionality with everything. There are a lot of other groups that know what it feels like to feel othered and Absolutely. put down. However, like the queer community, we know that feeling and... We know how how important it is to feel included. Right. But interestingly, and I'm sure you, you understand this, our kids, th- this is all they know. Yeah. So this is normal to them. I wanted to ask because when we last spoke in the show, mm-hmm. we had asked about your family's involvement and like how that all played out. And I'm wondering if anything has changed because I know that your family wasn't as involved. Correct. With the kids. Correct. And how are we now? Where are we? Um, we're, we're pretty much the same. 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 Wow, same. Okay. Yeah. I'd have a little bit of a family meeting with my mom and my sisters, but it was more regarding like how I am perceived as a gay man in the family versus mm. the, 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 the kids per se. And you have a twin brother. I do have a twin Who, brother. He's not gay. Straight. Married. Okay. One boy. Oh. One boy. And then my, my two sisters are married with, with kids. With kids. Mm-hmm. And- how does it feel to see your siblings, your siblings' kids, yeah. have a relationship with your parents and your kids don't? Um, that's a really great question, actually. I I don't let it bother me, but if I think about it long enough, it will bother me. Yeah. And I just think when I had that family meeting with my sisters, one of the things I did say, part of the conversation was, you know, I have not made any decisions in my life based on how you all will feel to this point, and I'm not going to. I'm certainly not going to start now. And one of the things I mentioned was, you know, if I decide to move up to Connecticut to be closer to the kids, that's my choice because for all intents and purposes, whether you can accept it or not, that is my family. Right. And the conversation that ensued out out of that was kind of made it sound like, well, the olive branch was never extended either way. Yeah. So it wasn't like that they didn't engage because they didn't want to. It was like, well, there was never really, the invitation was never really extended either. Hmm. Which and it wasn't like it wasn't like a finger point. D. It was just kind of like kind of matter of fact that I never really thought about it that way. But maybe that was also colored with my own insecurity about how they truly felt, or could I handle it? Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it was a little interesting that that came up out of that conversation. Um, yeah. It hasn't changed. It's really interesting. You okay? So because because I've been having something. I was vacationing with my wife uh-huh. in, in the South. We went to this beautiful, uh, it's like a cathedral on a mountain and there's a cross, you know, and we went to go, it's like a sightseeing place that you go. And we go in and of course all the people there are taking pictures and people are are asking, eh, you want me to take your picture? And when we got down to where the people take the pictures, nobody asked us to take a picture, but I didn't think anything, like I didn't, like that's fine. There are reasons for not asking us to, take our picture could be a myriad of things. Hold on. People didn't ask if you wanted them to take your photo as a family or for you to take their photo. No, for them to take out. Cause there were, we saw other people like being like, Hey, you want me to take your family photo? Got it. Nobody no, asked extended us. themselves. Right, that way. Got it. Whatever. Like that could be a myriad of reasons that have nothing to do with the gay thing. Totally. That wasn't the thing. But I said, in the picture I, I showed that cause me and my wife, we each took separate photos with the kids. Both of us instinctively without even talking or looking at each other knew we're not asking any of these people to take our photo. We're not asking. Wow. And I've been thinking a lot about it because it got some track, like a lot of traction on TikTok. And some people got the wrong message. Like I was saying, like these people didn't want to take our picture because we're gay. That's not what I was saying. But then also other people were are, are commenting, like, I get it. I do the same thing. Like when I'm in 
at Disney or when I'm in Florida, we don't take family photos together. Or we bring a tripod. We don't ask people because you just never know. Mm. And that's what I'm getting at. It's this internalized fear of the way people are going to react to you mm-hmm. in these different situations. And for me in that moment and my wife in that moment, it was like, we're not asking these people because we don't want them to question our family and we don't want to have to deal with it in front of our kids. Yeah. And we don't even like, we don't even want to have to. So, Hey, it's so nice to have auntie and mommy here and then have to say, because we have to, because our kids are watching and listening. We have right. to say, Oh no, 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 no. We're not sisters. We're married. And these are our kids because they're watching. Right. We don't want to have to have that situation. Right. But isn't that so shitty that like people have to even extend to, that bar just be like we just asked you to take our photo not to comment on who we are and for the mo- and i bet you anything nobody would have ever ever questioned us but this is why i'm tying it to you because it's that feeling of that we have on the inside mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. It, I call it internalized homophobia call it whatever but the feeling of fear and shame that we have of outsiders or even people we love saying things to us that aren't going to feel good. Interesting. You know, just to kind of piggyback on that, one of the reasons why I'm so happy that you asked me to co-host is because, I mean, outside of my outside world, life, friends, work, everybody knows I'm gay. Yeah. The first time I ever sat at a mic and said, I'm gay, blah, 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 was your podcast. Oh. I mean, people know, my yeah. family know. But that's why I was like, it, this kind of gives me the opportunity to, to, to sort of like, shed that quote shame which I hate to say that word because I'm not shameful of it no of you course, know we're I'm, I'm 50 years old but it, right but it's a, it's a matter of like it helps me sort of destigmatize myself yes you know yes. so that's why uh, I'm like I was like oh my god I, w- I want that opportunity again oh, so, I'm so happy to hear this because <laughs> it's cathartic why. it really is cathartic it is Let's get into the okay. Yes, let's. This please. is ridiculous because the guests that are coming, I've been so excited. I've been so excited to share. This is the two mom Browns from Instagram. They are Instagram influencers. They are gorgeous human beings, and their children are freaking gorgeous. They're this interracial couple. They documented their entire reciprocal IVF journey. And it was not an easy journey. No, it was not. It really, really wasn't. I remember when I listened to the episode, I was like, whoa. Like it was. They had some serious bumps in the road. And, you know, they talk about how they met, which is fun. Insider info, if you follow them on Insta. And how they decided to make their family, because that's always interesting conversations. And, of course, how it all pans out with two moms and two boys under two. They're interracial, so how that all pans out. We we cover it all. We cover it all in this episode. Especially the very beginning when they were trying, like, those mm. experiences that they had. And I don't want to give it away. No spoilers. Anyway, no spoilers. But just, but it, <laughs> no spoilers. But it was, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it kind of, it was, I was at the gym when I was listening to it. And I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And you just kind of, it was very, you're really taken on that emotional roller coaster mm-hmm. with them, I think. Yeah. And we get some insider inf- information in the end where they talk about if they might, if they want more kids mm-hmm. and something else too, mm-hmm. something else, but I'm not going to spoil that. All right. Without further ado, it's time for us to tell Helen and Beulah, our lovely assistants who are totally in the room with us. Right, Tom? There they are. Hey, Helen. <laughs> Beulah, what's going on? What's up, Beulah? Two mom browns? <laughs> Two mom browns. Let's roll. Let's roll that tape. Helen and Beulah, roll that tape. <laughs> The Queer Family Podcast. Wait, Helen, stop. Before you roll that tape, I need to mention one thing. I have to mention Patreon. If you all like this show and you want to keep hearing these super important LGBTQIA plus family stories, you can help. You can join my Patreon community. I've got various tiers on the page starting at just two bucks a month. You're going to do a good thing and you're going to get bonus content like videos of most episodes dropped a day early. Crazy behind the scenes shenanigans of yours truly trying to get it together. (laughs) And anything else I can think of to keep you all entertained and engaged. You're just going to head to patreon.com slash the queer family podcast to join. And a huge, 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 huge thank you to all you Patreons who are already supporting this show. It means the world to me. I couldn't do it without you. Thank you so much. Okay. All right. Helen and Beulah, please roll that tape. Love is love. 
Hello, I have the two mom browns, <laughs> Lauren and Amanda here. I am so excited and I know all of you are. Hi, you two. Hi. Hi. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> this has been in the making oh my God. for quite some time. I think this is like the sixth time that we've tried to <laughs> make this work. So <laughs> made it happen. I'm proud of us. That's what I want to say. I'm ah. proud of us. So before I try to butcher who you are, I mean, I think everybody listening probably knows who you are. And if oh. they don't, they need to start following you on the social because That's gorgeous sweet. family over here. Oh. But I don't want to butcher who you are. I want you to say who you are because you're going to say it way better than I am. So you got 30 seconds to tell us your elevator pitch of who you are and why you're here on your mark. Get set. All right. Hi, I'm Lauren. And I'm Amanda. And we are interracial lesbian moms. We're raising biracial donor-conceived boys. Uh, We live in the Washington, D.C. metro area, and Amanda works in finance. And I have a psychotherapy practice for LGBTQ plus folks. Um, We conceived our kids through reciprocal IVF. And we used Amanda's egg and donor sperm. Uh, We matched the donor to me. So we feel really lucky and happy that we found um, a pretty perfect match. And what do we like to say at home? We're baby wearing, co-sleeping, cloth diapering, (laughs) attachment-based moms in the hustle. (laughs) Oh, my God. That was beautifully done. (laughs) That's okay. That's okay. You know, I uh, listen, we need to know all the stuff. And I, I learned so I didn't know you did reciprocal IVF. And you match the this is I can't wait to get into that. I want to hear from you. And I think America and the world wants to know how did y'all meet? Take it back. Oh. Take us back. Oh my goodness. Go ahead. You mean start? I love your version I'll chime better. In. I'll chime in. Okay. It was the day after Christmas in um DC. I had recently moved to the area a few months before. I was like trying to date. I was trying to like, you know, play for a while. And I was supposed to be meeting up with a person at the lesbian bar that night. I was there with a couple of friends having a good time. Yeah. And yeah, no, I'd I'd walked into the bar with a a group of friends as well. And I I saw Lauren dancing on the dance floor, but um, I think I was just hanging out with my friends and (laughs) kind of just let it pass and then um some somewhere throughout the night i was uh walking from our table and i'd go through the the dance floor to get to the bar and um while i was walking through the dance floor her friend that was with her bumped into me and i turned and not only did i see her friend who bumped into me but lauren turned as well and we kind of had this like lock eye moment of like time literally just stopped Mm -hmm. and Oh my god. In it's my like, head so it was slow. like mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like this is the moment, right? And um during that moment I just I, I reached out my hand um for her to dance with me and and she grabbed it back. I so. did. Oh my god. <laughs> so we danced together and then she so left movie. me to go sit with another girl at the bar. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, it was with a a friend and I was kind of just clarifying that, you know, it wasn't going to be more than just a friendship with that person because it was a done deal yeah because y'all you hauled it on the dance floor <laughs> it was so fun we had a blast dancing together but we she did. like only would dance with me for like one song and then leave it was just like hilarious <laughs> i think we started texting right away yeah and then um i think i had offered uh to go on a date later that week and lauren no, was like the no 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 you said, how about this weekend? Because keep in mind, it was the day after Christmas, so it's about to be like New Year's, you know? Oh, right. And, yeah, yeah. And like nobody works between Christmas and New Year's. And why are you asking me to go out on a date on the weekend? It's a right. holiday. We have all this time. <laughs> yeah. Clock's ticking. We're lesbians here. There- yes. <laughs> <laughs> so would we go out that Tuesday? Yes. And I was like, how about, you know, Taco Tuesday? We did. And we had tacos and ping pong and we kind of met with each other and literally just sat at the table across from each other. And just, you know, it felt like we had known each other, but we obviously didn't know each other. Mm-hmm. It's kind of one of those moments, kind of just That's like crazy. the connection that we have um, together. Yeah. Wow. How long before you like took the next step in the relationship? 
So then I think we started officially dating two weeks later. Yeah. And then we moved in mm-hmm. together like 10 months later. Yeah. So it was a year. Yeah. As when we year. moved in. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We were engaged for a year and a half before we got married. Yep. Okay. Now, when it's uh, that's a long time in lesbian in lesbian lives. That's what we think. (laughs) Lesbian years. So you you hauled the very beginning and then you slow hauled it, right? That is true. We did. (laughs) We always joke that like lesbian relationships travel like three times the pace of straight relationships. Yeah. Yeah. It's no. like dog ears. Yeah. <laughs> dog ears. <laughs> it's like we've been together 15 years, but really that's 60 and lesbian exactly. years. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. So hmm. when did this the social media because you're really popular on social. You're gorgeous, gorgeous <laughs> individuals. Your children are gorgeous. When did all of that happen? How did that come about? Because I'm still trying to crack the code here. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, that's really, really generous. We um no. we thank you. And it it really ties in a lot to our trying to conceive journey. Um, oh, good. So let's let's go there. Yeah. Yes. When Amanda and I were like very newly together, we were we both wanted children, you know, and I feel like we tend to have those conversations earlier in relationships, um, very freely. I think so gay people that I know. Um, yeah, we were super intentional that we do. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think, you know, having biological children, um, is something that I always hoped for. Um, I didn't necessarily see myself carrying those children. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I really knew how that was going to happen until, um, we kind of put us together and I don't want to speak for yeah. you. Wanna... Yeah. And I had just always wanted the experience of being pregnant and uh-huh. having babies. Like I remember this dream vividly when I was nine years old, I was nine and I dreamed that I was pregnant and I could feel a baby move inside of me. And like, it's just weird. Like there was nothing like sexual going on in my life at that no. time. It was literally <laughs> just like this, you know, dream that I had of like a desire, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I just really wanted to be pregnant. I wanted to breastfeed. I, I, I honestly had never really like thought about like needing a biological um, child. And it's hmm. funny because um, before Amanda, I had wanted to donate my eggs. Like I huh. just love the idea of helping, giving, you know, like paying I, it forward. Yeah, pay, exactly. And um you know, we have more to say about that one too, which is kind of exciting and interesting, Ooh. but, um, I couldn't donate my eggs because of several, um, family genetic conditions. So oh. I, I was sad about that. Um, but I, I didn't go so far as to think like, oh, I don't want biological children of my own because of these genetic markers. Mm-hmm. But when Amanda came into the picture, it just made sense. And right. yeah. and we're like, we're going to use Amanda's egg and I'm going to carry and it's amazing. And nobody's done this before. And we invented this really cool thing. <laughs> yeah, we, we didn't know there was a name for it. We literally thought we were inventing something. Like we're so smart. You are so not the only couple I've talked to who thought they invented it as well. It's like that's hilarious. We all think we invented this idea, which is I mean, it's amazing that it actually exists. Right. It felt just like so perfect you know like the stars aligned and so I think I don't even know if we were married at this point but we started calling around to area fertility clinics because we wanted to get an idea of how much it would cost Mm -hmm. so I actually got an IVF nurse on the phone which is like (laughs) unheard of yeah to get an actual IVF nurse on a phone at a you know fertility clinic but you can't even talk to people nowadays you gotta download (laughs) their app yeah and then you gotta write a message There's no talking. Yes. It's so true. It's so true. And it was the fertility clinic that we ended up going with. Um, huh. And she was like, oh, yeah, what you guys want to do is called reciprocal IVF. And mm-hmm. we're like, wait, okay. <laughs> you know, and we we were totally fine that we didn't um, invent the term. But we, we got really excited because we found a whole network of people doing reciprocal IVF on social media. Mm-hmm. Oh. Like that we... It was just like a world had been opened to us. And so we started following other people who were doing reciprocal IVF, you know, hashtag RIVF, hashtag reciprocal IVF, you know, I mean, we were just. And that's how you found them. You just, you searched hashtag RIVF. Yeah. Wow. And was it mostly queer couples? Yeah. All lesbian couples. 
And even some interracial couples that we were finding, I mean, it was just really amazing. And we learned so much. And then, you know, pretty soon we started into our process and what we were seeing was really um, like, even though we had stars in our eyes about how like our fertility journey would go, I think that we did get a realistic perspective. Right. From looking at these other couples who were experiencing, you know, loss and, you know, not as many embryos forming as they wanted. And, mm-hmm. you know, we just learned a lot. Yep. Right. Absolutely. Right. Because you put so much money into it. Yeah. And sometimes, many times, yes. you don't get a good outcome. And and that's that can be really tough, especially yeah. if you only have enough for one try. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So we yeah. started on our, our process. Um, Amanda was gearing up to do a stimulation cycle and I was getting ready for a transfer. I don't know if you mm-hmm. want to say anything about that. This is our dynamic, right? I end up talking and Amanda's just like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, I... <laughs> I love it. We're getting behind she, the scenes. She tells me when I'm like wrong though. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm loving every thing you're saying. Um, usually, usually with my wife and I, it's, I was gonna get to that. Uh, like, that's how that's how we do. <laughs> so, so we started our our own fertility journey, and like Lauren said, I, I I stemmed. The way that we had it is that right after we stemmed and um, did the embryos, we did our our transfer immediately, like a fresh that. transfer. Yeah, mm-hmm. so we did mm-hmm. our fresh transfer, and. I think we were in shock with the the results at first. Um, we got pregnant on our first try um, wow. with identical twin boys. Wow! Um, we were and so many- excited. We so we had four embryos. So you got four out of your first. So um, we had ten total eggs, ten viable eggs. I'm sorry, and then right. six became embryos, and then four blastocysts. Wow! So three went That's to the good. freezer. Yeah. Uh-huh. Did and the then, transfer at the one. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I think we were just grappling with um, being being twin moms. We um, were so excited. We Amanda so was excited. like. I was in shock a little bit. <laughs> Amanda yeah, was like two I'm... college tuitions at the same time. Like... <laughs> Where we go, being intentional. But the one embryo split to two. Yeah. It did. So wow. we we did sneak peek and we learned that they were that they were boys, you know, they were identical. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the one sex is the same for the other. Um, yep. But we we really um, we had a really, really hard time when we learned that we had a miscarriage. We had graduated from our fertility clinic. It was our first appointment at the OB. And we go in, you know, for a routine appointment. I'm thinking, oh, you know, I'm like almost 11 weeks. I'm out of the first, almost like coming to the end of the first oh. trimester. And we go in there and they couldn't find the babies on either the first scan. Mm-hmm. And so we had to go in for a vaginal scan and, and it, it was traumatizing, you know, it was. um, and the, the people that we interfaced with didn't really know the right things to say. Mm-hmm. Their first time um, meeting them and. Yeah. yeah. It, and we didn't, I didn't know that that could happen. We didn't, we didn't know that, right? You didn't know that a miscarriage could No, that was the first time we learned about a miss miscarriage. Yeah. A miss miscarriage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like, I didn't bleed, um, but my body just, my body would continue to recognize that I was pregnant, but the babies were no longer had beating hearts. Oh. So yeah, it, it was, it was really, really sad. And you know, we both kind of had our own way of working through that. I did um, go in for a DNC, and mm-hmm. um, you know, again, we all the stars in our eyes just like y- you know, just kind of yeah. left the sky. Quickly grade, <laughs> um, yeah. And so I kind of climbed inside of myself, and Amanda mm-hmm. was was so awesome and really kind of kept us kept us going. Um, but, but like we wanted to get pregnant as soon as possible. And I think that part Mm -hmm. of that was my own coping. I was like, I, you know, not that pregnancy replaces a previous loss, but I just wanted to be pregnant. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, we were, we were prepared to, mm -hmm. to keep going. Yeah. 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 Queer family podcast. Love is love. All right, folks, if you're listening to this here podcast, chances are you might be gearing up to make a queer family of your own. And if that is one of your goals for this year, 
you might want to take control of your credit card debt first, because as we know, these queer babies are expensive. They cost us some money sometimes. So what you want to do is pay off your credit cards faster, possibly, with a low fixed rate loan from Lightstream. And Lightstream makes the process really, really simple. A credit card consolidation loan from Lightstream can help you pay off your credit cards and lock in a low fixed interest rate. Rates start at 7.99% APR with auto pay and excellent credit. Plus, the rate is fixed, so it will never go up over the life of the loan. I love that. And Lightstream believes that people with good credit deserve a better loan experience, and that's exactly what they deliver. So if you're someone who this sounds like you, maybe this is something you might want to do. Let's get those Gay babies. I mean, not that they're gay, but you know what I mean. You know what I mean? <laughs> and just for my listeners, apply now to get a special interest rate discount and save even more. The only way to get this discount is to go to lightstream.com slash OCT. That's L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot com slash O-C-T. Subject to credit approval. Rates range from 7.99% APR to 23.99% APR and include a 0.5% auto pay discount. Lowest rate requires excellent credit. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash OCT for more information. Go make those queer babies. I mean, they're not queer. We know that, but not yet, at least. (laughs) So we, yeah, we got ready for our next uh, frozen embryo transfer and... Mm -hmm. Um, got really excited when the lines on, you know, they, they say don't take at-home pregnancy tests, but everybody <laughs> does. Uh, yeah. Like constantly. The amount of money and, I have spent on pregnancy tests is ridiculous. Yeah, right. Exactly. And they're oh like, just come in for blood work. And you're like, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but, um, but you know, maybe, um, maybe this next experience should tell us why they say that. But so we started getting, um, fate positives. They got darker positives and then all of a sudden they got faint again. So that by oh, the time shit. I went in to get blood work, yeah, <laughs> by the time I went in for blood work, it was negative, but I was like, God, oh, like no. it was a chemical pregnancy and yep. Oh my no. God. Are you kidding me? It was so heartbreaking after what we had already went through. Yeah. Um, and so we went to, or, you know, talking with our doctor at the time who was just in- incredible. He was like, you know, I really believe that the two situations that you guys had, they were outliers, like having a twin, a mono twin pregnancy. So the babies are in the same sack. Mm-hmm. And that is one of the highest risk pregnancy. We didn't know any of this stuff. You know, we had to learn this along the way, but um, we learned that that is one of the most highest risk pregnancies. And so he was like that, you know, kind of, it's sad, but okay, that was a high risk situation. And and secondly, Mm -hmm. we did not test your embryos. And so a chemical pregnancy, you know, does happen on occasion. So they said, why don't we do a fertility workup just to make sure there's nothing else going on. Mm -hmm. And I think. He did that really for our minds yeah. to put us at ease. Yeah. I, I, I really think that. that. Yeah. Um, our team was so fantastic. That's great to hear. It's not always the case. Yeah. Not always the case, right? Yeah. So that's wonderful to hear. Yeah. But they did this fertility workup. Nothing was, you know, wrong. And they were, were like, all right, you know, we could take your embryos out of the freezer. We can retest them. But there's always a chance of like, you know, losing some along the way. We only had two mm-hmm. at this point. So we were like, all right, after this, we're going to get ready to cycle again as, as soon as possible. We missed a cycle mm-hmm. there while we were doing all that test. So we were mm-hmm. getting ready for the next one. Yep. And, you know, I had been really strict about like what I was eating, like no drinking, you know, all of this stuff. But I think with that third transfer, I was just like, you know, fuck it. But that's the time that worked, huh? Then came Judah. Yeah. yeah. So oh we got pregnant God. with Judah. And um, I mean, it was amazing. Like you just, well... I just never quite felt like we were out of the weeds. Like Amanda was so confident. Like this is, she's like so grounding in so many ways to me, but I was like so anxious my whole pregnancy with him. And really, I think probably until like 24 weeks, we had done an anatomy scan. We had done our like fetal echocardiogram, which is like, you know, I guess routine IVF pregnancies. And Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, do you think like I can relax? Like, do you think, you know, I've reached viability, like we're like good, you know, and Mm -hmm. I I still couldn't totally take a breath, but I think that we really were able to like sink into like a little more relaxation. Yeah. Right. I mean, and it's understanding you suffered two losses. Yeah. Yeah. 
So we decided to open up our Instagram and it was actually my Instagram. Um, uh-huh. And I just decided to deprivatize it after we announced mm-hmm. that we were pregnant with Judah. I think it was around like 15 or 16 weeks, kind of just in an effort to to be visible, you know, like right. all of these other couples have helped us so much just by nature of like sharing their lives with us. And it means the world, right? Yeah. It helps. Yeah. It was everything. It like painted an image where there was no image. You know, I think this is something Amanda and I talk about a lot that like we don't as like an interracial lesbian couple with children, we don't have like an older lesbian couple to like look up to who's Mm -hmm. like paving the way, right? Like we're just like making it up. Right. As we mm-hmm. go along, like we wish that we had mentors. We were like constantly looking for, for people. <laughs> Obviously, we glean from like everybody. Anyways, yeah, it it really yeah. was just like wanting to be visible because if we could help. be what we wanted for someone else, um, I think, you know, is just something that we really wanted to give back. It's beautiful. Yeah. Right? It's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. And and so many people look to you. Like you are those people for so many folks, I am sure, Aww. which is just freaking beautiful. Otherwise, there's Wanda Sykes and her wife. We love That's them. The we Those are the only them. people oh my gosh. I can think of. They're hilarious. <laughs> Alex what? Sykes follows us on Instagram. That's amazing. <laughs> so like, like not only like you became the blueprint and now and now the blueprints are following you. <laughs> <laughs> but wait, I we I want to take it back because we didn't talk about your donor search and oh, where yeah. you got your donor. Oh my gosh, um, I huge. would love to dig into that. Yeah. Yeah, no, that was that was obviously a, a major part of our fertility journey. Um, you know, with using my eggs, it was really important for us to to find a donor that matched up um, as much as possible to Lauren, mm-hmm. um, Lauren's mm-hmm. genetics, personality, um, mm-hmm. degree, mm-hmm. um, r- really just as, as close as we could find. And, mm-hmm. um, we looked at one sperm bank and we didn't find anything. And we ended up looking at another one and, and found the perfect match. We did. Wow. Um, backtrack a little bit. I had a family member who offered to be oh. a donor and I, I think it, it was not something that we, our journey, about. Yeah, 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 we've come a long way on our awareness of what it is to raise donor conceived children, mm-hmm. you know, and it's even now part of the work that I do as a therapist, you know, but I think at this point we had just never really considered that. Like a known donor and especially a donor that is actually related to right. you. Right. 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 But I think the hang up on that really was my genetic markers kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But again, like Amanda said, the second sperm bank that we looked at. So we were, you know, obviously profiled for my like characteristics and stuff, but we also wanted somebody who kind of like imbibed me, you know, had a similar Mm -hmm. uh, personality or had a similar um, career. Hard to find with, especially with what you're given at these banks, right? So you're, you're maybe getting uh, an audio of them speaking, you're maybe getting like an essay, Yeah, you're getting some childhood photos, maybe some adult photos, but like really hard. I mean, you know, the more criteria you have, the harder it gets. That's why I call it the search for Superman, you know? Yeah, (laughs) that's true. So you ended up finding someone. Yeah, we found the guy. Our donor did not have adult pictures, had only like child pictures. And we decided that we were okay with that because we decided that the older you get, the more you basically just look like however well you take care of yourself. (laughs) (laughs) You know? (laughs) Like, yeah, I mean, even you know, even if you have good genetics, if you don't uh-huh. take care of yourself, you know, it, yeah. you're not gonna, you're not gonna look great. Right. <laughs> Childhood photos are probably the purest form. They're of. the cutest. Yeah. I mean, but you know, a lot of times, all you have to go by is yeah. those childhood yeah. photos. Can I ask? Did you go for a um, open ID or a closed ID, and your thoughts behind it? Yeah. So it was really important to us to have a donor who was open ID. You know, I I think that concept. Again, we've grown so much in our awareness and understanding, but I think at the time, 
like we didn't know what role the donor would play in our kid's life, but we knew that answers were better than no answers. Right. And even I will say at first, we took a while to uh, connect with donor siblings, kind of for the same Uh reason, because we're like, okay, you know, like we'll follow our kids lead. But the more that we listened to donor conceived people, we were like, no, like what donor conceived people we are saying, like our kids, you know, are going to be saying is like, no, we should have had this information up front, you know, like you can't follow our lead when we're two, three, like, no, we want this information. And so um, we went ahead and connected with some donor siblings and, you know, it's been so much fun I think you know now we're making those connections jumping around but yeah yeah it's yeah we just have grown so much in this process I'm sure and for everybody at home who's listening about the donor the the donor conceived persons conversation like there's a strong you have a very strong presence online and you're very open and there is a strong donor conceived persons, adult donor conceived persons presence online who feel very strongly about more regulations when it comes to donors and making sure that there are no secrets, which luckily with our queer families, we usually are very open and honest with our Mm -hmm. donor conceived children about where they come from and try to give all the info. But there are a lot of extra nuances with this conversation. And when you're open on social media in the public and you're talking about donor conception, um, these these conversations end up coming to you and um and you learn a lot yeah and i've learned a lot as well um and of course and we always say on the show be like the best thing you can do is be completely upfront and open and honest because we have to use donors yes we have to Mm -hmm. right so it's visible (laughs) exactly and we have to talk about it because Uh it's visible but we have to make sure that we're intentional and we're open and honest with, yeah. with the children we create. Yes. And if we have the options of knowing more folks, as hard as that may be for some, um, more is always better. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. we we're on we are on that one hundred percent. Yeah. So yeah, no. then Judah came. Should we jump back to that story? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> listen, this is how we, we do it. We just jump, forever. we do the thing. <laughs> So he turned two in December. So, and he came really <laughs> late. He was crazy in my belly, like literally would throw my stomach oh from my side to side. Oh, Jonah. <laughs> He's been lit since day one. So yeah. <laughs> um, literally when we went in for his embryo transfer, I said, how does the embryo look? And she said, oh my gosh, it looks amazing. It's like already expanding out of the shell because it was a frozen embryo transfer. She's like, it's already expanding out of the shell, just raring to go. Oh, and there it is. Okay. Raring to go has literally (laughs) been Judah's lifeline. Like, he's such a blast. Um, He's so excited about life. Um, He started walking at seven months. Oh my God, same. Our daughter. Raring to go. Yeah. Same situation. Oh my God. <laughs> Maybe we both found Superman donors. Oh, my God. <laughs> so Jonah comes, ball of energy. <laughs> and then number two. Like, so oh my you, gosh. Have, you have two embryos left at this point? So or? we had one. So we had one. Yeah. Judah, yeah. We had okay. one embryo after him. And I think it was literally like after the embryo transfer, I like had some moments where I was like, oh my God, if I am pregnant (laughs) or if I am not pregnant, we're going to be announcing this because we had shared our journey on, you know, of our trying to conceive journey on social media. So I had this moment where I was like, wow, this feels really vulnerable. Very raw. You know, Um, because there's all the stuff that goes into trying to conceive that like, it's just so personal. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if it doesn't go the right way, then oftentimes we're left. I mean, Jamie, I'm like preaching to the choir, I know, but we're just like left feeling, you know, like, is there something wrong with me? Is there, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just like so much. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think um, when we did get positives on our pregnancy test, we started getting really excited. And then of course, you know, vulnerable because we know what early positives can indicate. Mm. Um, But we were, we were committed to sharing that, which was really rewarding. And like, we just so much love the people who follow us who are like invested in our, our lives family. too and our family. And, yeah. you know, it was just so beautiful to feel 
it, it was weird. What like started as like us wanting to be visible and like give back. We just through our pregnancy and even now through our lives, like we feel like it, the, the tables have turned, like people are like encouraging us and loving on us. And, yeah. you know, it's just, it's definitely it's goes so both beautiful. ways. It's a community. It's a You've community. built a community. Yeah. You know, we, yeah, we, we really just feel special. really lucky. Yeah. Yeah. I do have one more question for you though, because this is something that I think about a lot. I have a daughter who's nine. I have a mm-hmm. son who's five. What's it like for you? You got two boys. You got two boys and you are two moms. Yeah. I try not to speak in gender. I think about gender. And we're not raising our children, you know, with these overt gender roles, obviously, because we're not that way. Um, But how's that going? Did you have any emotions like I did or were you way better than me from the start? (laughs) (laughs) Um. You know, I think either way for me, it was, was going to be great. Um, I, I do identify as a lesbian, but I am definitely androgynous presenting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've been wearing men's clothes since middle school. Um, and so I think for me, boys is like just natural. Um, right. Yeah, it's, it's an easy thing for me to just kind of go with. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to talk about yeah. your journey? Yeah, no, I... Um... My mom is so funny because I'm like, maybe I try to not remember this, but my mom is like, remember when you used to say you were only going to be a girl mom and not a boy mom? I'm like, did I say That's that? That's literally me. That's totally me. And so I honestly, I think that it was like those weeks that we were expecting to raise identical twin boys are the mm. weeks that I fell in love with being a boy mom. Like oh. I just like fell head over heels in love with the idea. I fell head over heels in love with the idea of two boys. It's like, I don't even know. No, seriously. I don't know why the universe brought back two boys to us. Like I, I'm not saying that they're reincarnated because like they all existed at the same time. But like, I, I just feel like our hearts. Yeah. Made them come to us, you know? Oh my God. That I'm crying over here. That's beautiful. Jeez, Um, We say boys a lot, but we're also like, Gender doesn't matter at all, you know? And we tell Judah even all the time, we're like, hey, if you ever feel like you're a girl, you'll tell us, right? Like, he's two. He's yeah. like, okay. <laughs> uh, he's like, playing with my dinosaurs now. Um, That's like me. I'm like, you know, you can put a dress on. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. You can totally wear a dress. And he's like, ew. <laughs> um, what, what, what we have done with gender as a society is just like outrageous. You're right. You know, it comes up all the time for us. As the presenting couple that we are, Amanda being more androgynous and me being more feminine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think also there's an intersectionality with you being an African-American and right. being androgynous. P- people do mm. act more intimidated by you. Right. But I just think that because of our presentation, mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I don't think our relationship really ever gets questioned. You know, we've never received the question, who's the mom? Um, oh really because mm-hmm. huh. i think when people look at us you know they know that we're lesbians <laughs> right you know, we're, yeah. we don't look like sisters we look no. like we're together interesting yeah you know there's an intersection too with our gayness and our interracialness you know sometimes yeah, we're not quite sure if people are interacting with us in a in a weird way but what amanda was saying is like we're not like a a couple that people ask like, oh, who's the mom? Or are you sisters? Or, you know, um, you don't, you don't get those lesbian questions right? as much. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and people, it's really interesting because because... our gayness is up forward, Uh right? We do Uh sometimes get that awkwardness of, oh, they're gay. Right. Uh So it's not like people are nice and then they find out they're gay and then they're like, you know, weird or standoffish. It's like they're just weird and standoffish to begin with. <laughs> from the start. If yeah. they're going to be weird about gay people, they're just going to be weird and standoffish from the get-go. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> and then there's also the interracial mm-hmm. aspect, which same, like I'm imagining same mm-hmm. same thing. Like if they're going to have problems thing. with that, yep. they're going to have problems with that from the, from the get-go. Yeah. And you're talking about being two moms of two boys. And I think kind of add on to that, like the, biracial element right um we talk a lot about those conversations that we're yeah, going to be we having with our our sons judah we were asking him like what color skin does mommy have and he took a long time and he said white and we and i because i don't know <laughs> you know and and so anyways we talked more about and he said you know man mom mama has black no he said yeah. mama is brown mama has brown skin and we talked about his skin color 
Yeah. Um, all, all of these conversations that we're having with our kids. I mean, he's only two, but it's so much fun. Yeah. Right. And and it's intentional and it gets complex. Yes, yes and it does. When you have numerous intersectionalities yes. um, in any particular makeup, the conversations are more complex and yeah. necessary. Yeah. Yep. Right. But listen, it was after we found out that Malachi was actually a boy mm-hmm. and Amanda, <laughs> listen, like Miss like finance, like very planned and, you know, scrupulously planned. She goes, you know, what do you think about the idea of like at some point stimming again and like, you know, maybe like just like throwing a couple embryos and like just going for a twin pregnancy? <laughs> Holy, you you have baby on the brain. There is going to be another brown coming up shortly. I can't wait. Everybody stay glued to that social media. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, I love that. So that that might happen. We're probably going to take a little break. I have been thinking about being a surrogate. I wasn't able to donate my eggs. But I'm thinking about being a surrogate. Oh my god, um, beautiful! Amanda's is on board. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Wow, I really want to do that, and and I can't do it past a certain age, right? And depending yeah. on what the next like lag of our fertility journey looks like, mm-hmm. you know, might as well. <laughs> I love um, that. That is, look at um, you. Just pay, it's just a pay it forward episode. Look at you. Paying Honestly, that forward. was the idea. It was like, man, like I look at our kids, and I'm like. We're we just, do. We're, we're just so thankful. We're like, yeah. Yeah, to our donor. Mm-hmm. He has made our family possible, you yeah. know? And like, we would love to make somebody else's family possible too, you know? Yeah. I love this. There's going to be people like <laughs> reaching out to you from this episode. <laughs> hey, I heard you want to be a surrogate. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I mean, I, I actually, that would be freaking amazing. <laughs> that would be awesome. All right. Well, we're all invested. We want to know what's going yes, on. Yes. So, I mean, where can everybody follow you so that they can keep in touch oh with your goodness. lives? So we're at uh, the Two Mom Browns on Instagram. That's it. We we <laughs> we don't do TikTok. We don't have time for that. <laughs> no, you have two very um, small children. <laughs> yeah, we're 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 trying to keep up on Instagram. But yes, you can find us there. We, yeah, we would love that. <laughs> Go follow them and give them all the love because. They're doing good things in the world, and we need to highlight all of us queer folks who are raising the bar and raising our lives up. So I really appreciate you two. Thank you so much for coming in to chat. It means the world. We've loved it. It's so fun. (laughs) Queer Family Podcast. Love is love. (sighs) Well, folks, I really hope you enjoyed that episode. I know I did. What a good story. But, but... The conversation is not over, folks. Be sure you're following the show on all the socials. We're on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube at the Queer Family Podcast. You're going to get photos of all the guests there, some videos, and just, you know, all around fun from yours truly. Who doesn't want that? Don't miss out. You don't want FOMO. Nobody wants FOMO. And don't forget to join me on Patreon to help me create this super important queer content. You're going to head to patreon.com slash the queer family podcast to sign up and get that bonus content. And one more thing, if you love this show and want to represent your love for us and our beautiful families, you need to head to our shop and get some Queer Family Podcast merchandise. We've got so many designs, and you can put these designs on any product in the store. We've got t-shirts, mugs, hoodies, notebooks, face masks, laptop cases. You're just going to go to tpublic.com and search for the Queer Family Podcast Or you can find the shop on our website at thequeerfamilypodcast.com. There's so many ways. So many ways. All right, folks, that's it for this week. Tune back in next week for another episode all about family, but with gay. (laughs) 